Once you live in the 716, Buffalo sports is ingrained in your soul. No matter where you are, we always remember the roots that helped us grow. Don't let where you live or the people around you stop you from showing your Buffalo pride. Join us Buffalonians as we talk all things sports in the 716 on the Buffalo Loyal Podcast. Circles the way, like the Buffalo Bills. I'm your host, Nick English, alongside my co-host, Andrew Ogwich. No matter where we are, no matter the heartbreak, we will always remain Buffalo loyal. This is the Buffalo Loyal Podcast. Appreciate everyone for tuning in each and every week, coming to you live on a Friday night. Andrew is back after a one-week hiatus. Uh, I did give all his thoughts um, from a lot of things going on in the Buffalo sports world uh, last week. We're going to get some more Bandits talk to start the show, but uh, first and foremost, Andrew, how you doing, buddy? Doing good. I'm great. I uh, got to witness a Buffalo championship with my own two eyes and remember it. Of course, the Bandits last one in 2008, but <clears throat> can't say I really remember that one too well. Um you know, I was alive and aware, but I wasn't wasn't at the kind of the height uh, and importance that this one is. So um, I'm doing great over here, Nick. Glad to hear. We'll uh, we'll start there before we dive into another uh, week full of uh, drama uh, in Buffalo sports, uh, to say mm. the least. But um, yeah, let's go. Let's get your kind of just thoughts on the Bandits' run, winning the championship. They celebrated with the, uh, you know throwing out the first pitch of the Bisons game and having, you know, the championship parade and everything downtown, the players look like they were having a ball. Um, it looked pretty bleak after game two, you know, Matt Vince probably played one of the worst games I've ever watched him play. Uh, and whatever was in front of him wasn't really helping him his cause very well either. Um, and then obviously game three at home places rocking Josh Byrne comes back, which was obviously huge. Um, so I guess walk us through the emotions from game two of being down and maybe on the ropes again to Colorado to just absolutely, you know, shit pumping them in our own building. Yeah, for sure. I mean, <clears throat> you walk out of the ball center after game two in Colorado and um, I know the fans were thinking it. I'm sure those guys were thinking like, oh, boy, here we go again. Same story, you know, same thing. Just one year later, rock them game one going to game two and and just shit a brick. Um, and I think that kind of turned something on for them in their heads. Like, hey, this can't happen again. We've come too far. We are not making this three years in a row of disappointment. Um, I mean, the, the, the players have talked about time and time again when, you know, leading up to the finals and everything, talking about how much it means to Buffalo, how much it means to them, how much they want to bring a championship to this city. They want to get over that hump. They want to kind of get that monkey off their backs and, and finally hang a banner in Key Bank Center and kind of move on and, and, be champions right which is rightfully deserved and um it had been a long season for them battling injury you had guys in and out of lineup you know different lineups every week because of injuries ir um stars coming in and out um it was a long season for them and it wasn't like i mean they had the best record in the league they were the top seed in the league but by all you know 
stretch the imagination by bander uh, bandits lacrosse standard that was not a good regular season for them right so they come out swinging in the playoffs they dismantle rochester then you just embarrass the ever-living shit out of toronto you sweep them and you're like okay here we go this is our year you, you start off hot week and then game two you take a shit i just think that was all building for me like look we are not walking out of this building again, hanging our heads. Um, and they proved it. I mean, it was like I mentioned to you, Nick, and like you mentioned on the show last week, that was a full team effort. Everyone wearing a bandit sweater contributed and made a difference in that game from start to finish. It was all bandits, um, right? I mean, it was a little competitive in the first quarter, but just from there on out, everything was going the bandits way. You know, calls were going the bandits way. They played a pretty clean game. All, you know, all things considered, not too many penalties. It just, it was a fun game to watch. They were making things happening, you know, making things happen from far out, getting shots on net. Dylan Ward really did not have a good game that we're used to seeing against Dylan Ward. Uh, He made some great saves, but just some just at the end of the day, I mean, the high flying offense of the bandits were able to overpower Dylan Ward overpower um, the Colorado defense. They could not stop the bandits. And then the bandits defense shut Colorado down. I mean, Zed Williams was a non-factor in that game. And that is, that's one of the keys to beating Colorado. You got to take away Zed Williams. You got to make them pass the ball. You have to make them rotate their offense and try to get them uncomfortable make them use up the shot clock, make them waste possessions because Colorado is very good at not wasting possessions. They will take every second they can and end it in a goal. They are very efficient offense and able to just bleed the clock down and get what they want. The bandits put a stop to that. Mad Vince was great again, uh, right back to kind of the early rounds of the playoffs that we saw him, um, and like I said, the defense was great. Transition game was great. Max Adler was awesome in the face-off dot. Um, even had a goal of his own. So it just it was an all-around incredible effort. Um, and they are, you know, they are enjoying um, the outcome. You, you see videos all over Twitter immediately after that game and that week following of them partying with the trophy, partying with the cup in Buffalo, hanging out with each other, hanging out with fans, and then. Of course, this past week was, you know, the parade and the the ceremony and, and you know, the march over to Duntire Field or whatever it's called. That was at Salem Park or Salem Field mm-hmm. uh, for the, the Bisons Bandits game and Dane thrown out the first pitch. And just it was a fun time. Of course, I'm in Pittsburgh, didn't get to partake, but it was a fun time to be a Buffalonian and just kind of watch it happen, see that energy in the city. Uh, and it's the Bandits, right? I love them to death. You know this, Nick, you talked about it. You know, everyone should know it at this point. I love the Bandits. But, look, they're not a top-billed team in the city, right? Um, And just to see that outpour of support and love and excitement from people um, for that team is awesome, right? I mean, you can't help but wonder what that's going to look like for the Bills, for the Sabres when their time comes. So um, that was awesome. And it just – the, the coolest part of this is watching those videos from the parade. And, and there's one video in, in particular, um, the bandits tweeted it out of they're up on the fire truck going to the baseball park. 
and just the mob of bandits fans following uh, in the parade and chanting, let's go bandits. And you can just hear the players just like amazed, right? Like their speech just like, Oh my God, this is crazy. Look at this. Like, that's cool to hear them just be amazed by that outpro outpour of support by the fans. And just, um, it was, it was a big sigh of relief, right? It had been a long time coming. They had come so close for so many years, had been dominant in the L- NLL to, so to finally kind of finally make it happen is a nice, nice cherry on top to um, some really great lacrosse that we've seen in Buffalo the past few years. So I'm super happy for them. Now, of course, the majority of the teams are majority of the roster. Majority of the team is off playing in the PLL now. Um, most of our players play for the chaos. So if you, Started watching the bandits. You kind of got that lacrosse bug. I recommend watching PLL lacrosse. It's not the same as bandits with the bandits play. This is outdoor lacrosse. So rules are a little different. Setup is a little different, uh, but still just as aggressive, just as exciting, um, just as worth a watch. So those games are played on ESPN Uh, games start tonight. There's some tomorrow um, every weekend throughout the summer. So um, of course the majority of the bandits do play for the chaos um, Ian McKay, Josh Byrne, Dane Smith, Chase Frazier, uh, Tahoka's on the chaos. I believe he was, I think he's still on the chaos. Um, there's a couple more I'm forgetting, but there's a good amount of folks on the chaos. So if you're looking for a team, I recommend the, recommend the chaos. It's a similar kind of style, uh, because they are mostly the bandits. Um, but lots of good stuff. Super excited for the team. Super happy for the team. Um, and yeah, let, let's keep this winning going. It was uh, it was fun to watch that game, even though I wasn't in Buffalo for it. I was traveling on the road, still got to watch it uh, on my phone and in the TV at the Airbnb and just had excitement. Right. I mean, you just kind of you get choked up thinking about it. This is a Buffalo sports championship. Right. Um, it's uh, it's pretty cool. Super, super excited to be able to watch it and, and follow this team for this long and kind of see this happen. So. Yeah, yeah, definitely follow PLL. Josh Burnett had a sick OT goal the other day. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, great to see the ceremony and everything yesterday and the parade. Like you said, it kind of just gives you uh, chills and does really make you think about, you know, not to say that the Bandits didn't have a lot of people there, but um, as far as the sport teams in Buffalo, they know that they're third in the pecking order, and I think they're okay with that because um, they still get a lot of support. But um, if the Sabres win a cup or the Bills win a Super Bowl, I can't even – It'll there will be tent pe- people tenting out for spots for that parade mm-hmm. um, when it does happen. That was definitely a uh, giant positive um, for the week for the city of Buffalo. Um, and they definitely surely need it after the, the week that was happening over at One Bills Drive because that was a fucking shit show all week long. <laughs> um and I texted Andrew this, so uh, my Tuesday was not the uh, the best Tuesday in the world. So I live in Florida. I am a Heat fan. Uh, so they lost in a pretty close game, game five. So they lost the NBA Finals on Monday night. Uh, Tuesday night, I already woke up knowing Jack Eichel was going to win the cup because the Panthers were just dead. Every one of their players was hurt, and there's no way they were going to win. That didn't happen till that night, but it did happen. Um, and then middle of the day, I'm at work. I go on my lunch break. I happen to pop open my phone um, and see the whole Sean McDermott press conference about the concern level that Stephon Diggs is not at uh, mandatory minicamp. 
Then you have Adam Schefter, Ian Rappaport. Everyone's tweeting about it. You know, it's not about the money. What's going on in Buffalo? And it was just a giant, you know, shit sandwich of all my sports teams in one day. And I was not having it. Um, But on Wednesday, they uh, did clear some things up. So what originally happened, in case you did miss it, or you live in a hole in Buffalo, uh, Diggs was not at mandatory minicamp on Tuesday. McDermott does a presser saying everyone but Diggs is there and that he's very concerned. Then Diggs' agent says that he's going to be there for the rest of camp, which was confusing. Um, but they were also confused by McDermott's comments. Then you had Ian Rappaport and these guys going on, like Pat McAfee and whatnot, um, saying how Diggs was in Buffalo, did his testing, was at the facility that very morning, um, and then left prior to practice. Things were just, it was the perfect storm for every Dolphins and uh, Jets fan on Twitter that day for sure. Um, and Bills fans were getting ready to kill Stephon Diggs. They kept went right back to he's a diva, uh, wanted him off the team. They're like, I don't care that it's a $50 million cap, whatever, you know, just trade him. You know, he's not about this team. He's not a leader, whatever. And then Wednesday happens and Sean McDermott says that Stephon Diggs did everything in his power that Sean McDermott actually gave Stefan Diggs permission to not practice um, and that they had some things to work out and that they did. And then that whole press conference on Monday, Josh Von Miller, every guy was pretty much backing Stefan Diggs saying how much they love him and they want him there. Um, Josh opened up a little bit saying there's some communication issues that maybe need to happen um that didn't happen the previous year and things he could do better um and at the end of it it seemed like a lot of people all of a sudden were like maybe Stefan Diggs is uh kind of onto something here um so Andrew I'll kind of let you go first um as far as your reaction to that day um what all seems like is all well and good now he showed up the next day he's posting Josh on Twitter they're doing their handshakes he's working with the rookies like he did all last year, giving him, you know, his mentorship. Uh, Mitch Morse talked about how much he loves Stephon Diggs, the leadership qualities, um, all things of that nature. Even McDermott talked about it. Um, And I guess regardless of maybe how Diggs handled the situation, it seems like maybe there's something going on larger here that maybe Stephon Diggs is just pointing out and some higher-ups are not taking too lightly to it. Yeah, I think that's exactly what's happening. I mean, my theory, my hypothesis on on the craziness that happened this week is this. Dig showed up. I mean, look, we know how that Cincinnati game ended, right? The the clip that Bengals and Chiefs and Dolphins fans continually to, you know, continually tweet on uh, on the bills is is digs with his arms up yelling at Josh. he wasn't happy with how things ended. He wasn't happy how the, the playoffs went, so on and so forth. He carried that with him into the offseason. They never addressed that after the season. It's time for him to come back to report back. He sits down with Bean and McDermott and says, look, right at Festivus, I've got some issues with you people, and I'm going to let you hear them or whatever that line is from Seinfeld. Right? He has issues with how this team is run, how the scheme is. 
it's Ken Dorsey. It has to be Ken Ken Dorsey. He does not like Ken Dorsey. He does not like the way he does not like the way the offense is set up. Right? Maybe he got his playbook and he saw again nothing is changing this season. The schemes are the same. The the routes are the same. The the plays are the same. Whatever it may be. Right? There was something in it that he did not like. He's a leader on this team. He's a captain of this team. He's one of the best wide receivers in the game. He wanted them to know about it. He sat down with Bean. He sat down with McDermott, right? Maybe you throw in D-Hop as a part of this. Either way, right? Maybe Diggs felt threatened that they were going after him or they wanted him. They wanted, he wanted them to go after D-Hop and that stopped and that's not happening. And he's upset about it. And he told them. And I bet those conversations did not go well. It got heated. Sean tried to hit him with a bunch of cliches and say, oh, you got to trust the process. Go along with it. We're working through things. we got to be a team, right? He's clapping his hands, all of this stuff. And Diggs just wasn't having it, having it, right? Diva Diggs came out, which is okay, right? Like, yes, there is part of Diggs that is Diva Diggs. As much as we don't want to believe it, yes, that is part of who he is. So I bet Diva Diggs came out. He was upset. He's frustrated with the team. He doesn't feel like it's going anywhere. Not to turn into TMZ, I in my I've got a feeling Diggs is upset with Josh over something outside of football. I think people can connect dots there. I just I don't know why, but I just I've got a feeling that there's something else outside of that building that Diggs and Josh are not. We're not going to bring uh, Josh Allen's uh, relationship life yeah, into this, no. but uh, you can go. I read could that be totally wrong <laughs> again. That's total TMZ take on it. I just feel there's something there. Josh also back back to football. Josh put his neck out for Dorsey. He wanted Dorsey. He made it very public. He wanted Dorsey and um, was kind of sponsoring that hire. So Josh isn't going to turn on Dorsey. Diggs is probably telling him, dude. He's not it. He sucks. He's bland. He's boring. He's holding the team back. We got to do something. And Josh, right, stuck in the middle of it. He's the quarterback of the team. He's the face of the team. Of course, your best friend, your number one weapon is saying one thing. Your coaches, the organization is saying another thing. Josh is caught in the middle of it. Josh probably said something that Diggs didn't like, right? He's not backing Diggs or he kind of was pushing Dorsey or whatever. And Diggs just lost it. They got into an argument, and I bet Sean was like, you know what? We don't need to do this. You don't have to come to practice if you don't want to. Walk away. Let's be done with this right now. McDermott's upset, gets peppered with questions on why there's no digs, right? There's digs drama leading up to this. There's no way McDermott doesn't know that's all happening, and he just let it spew. He's very concerned because it makes sense. We know how Sean McDermott is. We know how he's, how he thinks. One of your key players is not in line with your mindset, with your philosophy for this team. He is concerned about that. That makes sense. You got a guy who's not falling in line one way or another, right? Whether that's a good thing or a bad thing in this case. So of course he's going to say he's concerned. He's upset. It just happens. He lets it spew out that he's very concerned. I see nothing wrong with that. He didn't lie. He was very concerned. They had a conversation. It didn't end well. Diggs stormed off, you know, McDermott excused him, let him go so on and so forth, and the blow-up happened. For some reason, June is let's all shit on the Bills month. It's just one thing after another. People are speculating. People are just the, – the, the, the feeling and sentiment around this team 
has turned so fast, right? Outside of the team, I would keep, you know, that bubble on in one bill's drive, but like the national media people on Twitter, again, take that with a grain of salt fans. It just, it has turned, it has flipped. Things feel like everything is on fire. Um, and I just, I think they're feeling that. I think the front office, the players, the coaches, everyone is feeling the pressure and we're not even picked to be Super Bowl favorites this year. Um, so I think from the outside, it looks like there's implosion and there's a dumpster fire happening, but on the inside, I think they're loving this. I think it's healthy to have these disagreements. I think it's healthy. I think it's a good thing that Diggs is challenging what he's seeing. I think it's healthy that the players are backing him. I think Sean McDermott is in a real tough spot. I like Sean McDermott. I like him a lot, but mm, I think his seat is getting a little hot here. I mean, this is a huge season for him and he's been, he's been incredible the past few years. You know, he handled last year perfectly. He was the perfect person to handle that with this team, everything they went through. But yeah, I think there's things that Sean McDermott really needs to swallow his pride, uh, make some concessions and figure out how to get everyone back on the same page, himself included. He's not a czar. He's not a Bill Belichick. You got to figure out how to get everyone happy and make this team win. Um, and I think that's what this team and this coaching staff are facing. And I think it's huge. It's a big challenge for this team, but I think they can do it. I think they can rise to the occasion. If they don't, though, and this season is a bust, meaning they don't win a Super Bowl, I, I think this season is Super Bowl or bust, 100%. Then you got to start taking some looks at, at things. Um, now, I know there, there's an, another part to it, stuff that came out today. We can get to that in a second. But as far as like the digs thing is concerned, I don't think I don't think McDermott did anything wrong. I don't think Diggs did anything wrong. I don't think Josh or Vaughn did anything wrong. I, I know people are taking every which way and blaming everyone and anyone in this. But I think it's all good. I think it's understandable what could have happened. And I think it happens in every NFL team, but for some reason, national media just wants to blow up the bills spot this week. Yeah. I mean, it's just going right after that. I mean, bills canceled their last day of mandatory minicamp, which a lot of teams do. And of course, mm -hmm. you know, the Colts did, I believe the Cardinals yeah. did as well. And Fucking of course, Florio. yeah, Adam Schefter and Mike Florida, the only ones that are, you know, talking about how the Bills canceled it to make it even yeah. bigger when Diggs showed up the next day and by all accounts was the perfect teammate, whatever. Um yeah. to add on to your, you know, theory and going back to what you said about Josh backing Dorsey, I think there's part of this where, you know, obviously no one's gonna blame Brian Dable for leaving and going and taking head coaching job. Obviously, we no. miss him dearly despite you know, the, what the numbers will say that him and, you know, Dable were very similar in their first year or so calling plays and the statistics of yards per game, touchdowns, all those sorts of metrics. But going to your point, Andrew, of, you know, Josh kind of handpicked Dorsey of like, yeah, I want this guy here. Maybe Stefan Diggs wasn't really given a lot of input of the whole Chad Hall situation. Yeah. And, you know, Maybe Diggs was okay with Chad Hall leaving, but maybe he wasn't really consulted about bringing in Adam Henry and Diggs. Maybe felt some type of way of, hey, like I'm not all for I'm all for you, if, you know, believing in Josh, and if he thinks that's the guy, like you know, I'll roll with Josh and I believe in him, whatever. But you're not going to give me like the same fortitude about like what I think is going to help our wide receiver room, what I think is going to help 
the Gabe Davises and Dawson Knoxes of the world, you know, help make them better overall players. Maybe there's some of that in there. And then maybe in those meetings with Brendan Bean and Sean McDermott, maybe they're kind of going, well, you know, we had injuries and we added Kincaid and Deontay Hardy and a couple more running backs. And we think we just add more players, you know, this year is going to be different. And Diggs didn't really like that. He wanted to see an actual physical change. Yeah. Like you said, maybe he got his playbook and it was very similar um, you know, there was a video of him and Dorsey talking for a solid 40, 50 seconds going over, looked like a route or a play or something and coming to an agreement. And I don't think Stefan Diggs hates Ken Dorsey by any means. And I'm sure there's some stuff in there that he likes with the offense, but I'm also sure that, you know, there's also been some stuff circulating that one of the reasons Diggs was yelling at Josh on the sideline during that game was, you know, bro, fuck what Ken Dorsey's calling. You got to just start taking over and running what you're seeing and not just go whatever what he says. Like, yeah. you're seeing things that other people can't. Like, just do you, man, and I'm going to go make a play. Very similar to the Lions game where Diggs like, dude, I'm just going to run downfield, rifle me the ball, I'm going to catch it, yeah. we're going to win the game. If this is a situation where the players don't trust the coaches, then it can get bad very quickly, right? I mean – Maybe that's what we're seeing, and I'm looking at it wrong, right? With with Vaughn coming out and saying, "Hey, I, uh, um, Stefan is right." Of course, he backtracked on it, you know, and said, "Well, I don't just, you know, not that anyone's right or wrong, but I back him." But like, maybe there is some of that where players don't necessarily trust the coaches, which that could blow up quickly and just implode everything. I don't foresee that being an issue for this team because of who this team is, because of players they have. I think the foundation that's been laid is strong enough, but right. Like it's got to get figured out soon. I mean, you can't, you can't have a mutiny on your hands here. Yeah. And it comes down to, and we've talked about this in the past, Nick. Sean McDermott is the type of guy who really rests on his laurels, right? Like he's very cliche. He thinks, Hey, everything's honky dory. Everything's fine. We're going to trust the process. We're going to find a way we're going to get through this together. We just got to keep doing the small stuff, get the small stuff, right? Right. Like, and doesn't address the bigger picture, the bigger issue. He just keeps trying to like clap his way through it. And hopefully he gets through on the other side and everything's fine. Right. Like we need to see out of Sean McDermott, him address the big issues and take ownership of it, find fixes for it, do something. And of course, we're not going to see any of that until the first ball, you know, the first play is snapped on, you know, the week one of the, the season. So this is all speculation. This is just off season fatigue, right? By the fans and the media not having anything to talk about or really analyze. But I just, it's huge. Like Sean McDermott, this is going to be his season. Like he has to get this under control with the defense. Of course, today a lot come out, came out with um, Leslie Frazier stuff in 13 seconds, freaking Michael Lombardi talking out of his ass again and Twitter running with it. Um, but this has been a very anti Sean McDermott week. And part of me feels bad for him. And part of me hopes he's listening and is going to kind of prove everyone wrong. Yeah, because I mean, he can he, sink this ship very fast. Yeah, and if you haven't seen what Mike Lombardi said, basically on Pat McAfee's show today, he basically went on there and more or less said he kind of pushed Leslie Frazier out and that yeah. he was the one that took over literally like 
13 seconds left, like how they were going to play it. Whether or not that's true, I don't know. I kind of think it's bullshit, but. Of course it's bullshit. Why would Sean McDermott call the last defensive play when he didn't make any calls the whole game? Leslie, like, it makes no, why would that come out two years later? I don't know if this is Leslie Frazier's camp trying to stir stuff up. I don't see that happening. I don't think Leslie Frazier's that type of guy. I honestly think it's just Michael Lombardi being a fucking idiot like he usually is and talking out of his ass to make it sound like he's, you know, more in tune than he actually is. But yeah, I just, I don't, I don't understand why there's this witch hunt after Sean McDermott. I get it. People are upset and frustrated and kind of sick of where things are going. They want to change. But again, it's fucking June. We've got a few more months to go until any of this means anything anyway. But there's just people being tired and not having anything to talk yeah. about. And I would just say to your to answer that question of why people are going at McDermott for as great of his coach he's been for the Bills, spot on what you said about having the perfect guy to lead the team last year. There's a lot of other coaches in this league that if what happened to them in the Kansas City game and the Bengals game happened would have taken a lot more accountability for their team and saying they got outcoached or they weren't prepared enough um, and take a lot more ownership. And I think some of the players who have been on the team since then, Diggs included, have kind of been like, all right, man, like, We've been here two years in a row. We've had pretty much a golden opportunity to potentially go in a Super Bowl despite injuries or things that happen off on and off the field with Hamlin and others, you know, shit going on. We get outplayed and outcoached in those games, you know, more so the Bengals game than the KC game. That was just, you know, that still is on coaching. But Sean didn't really walk up to the podium and be like, you know, it's all on me. Like, I can't let that happen to my team with 13 seconds left. Like, that's a game we have to win. And I think Diggs is one of the ones that's airing out that frustration of, you know, I love that you clap your hands all the time, Sean, but I need you to, like, change some shit up once in a while and do that. And, again, no coach is perfect. And there are some things that McDermott does well, way better than other coaches as far as how he communicates to players, um, taking accountability in certain situations. I just think, like you said, the media is running out of things to talk about right now, so everyone's yeah. bringing up all his bad coaching things and not focusing on the good well, things that he has done, which, I mean, again, Greg Russo, Puna Ford, and all these guys are talking about how much they're loving how Sean McDermott's yeah. running the defense, and Taylor Rapp, same thing. Well, and that's the thing, right? Like, who who gives a shit what he says to the public, right? Like, I don't care what he says at that podium. Like, sure, you want to hear the right things, but at the end of the day, who really gives a shit what outside of that building thinks or hears as long as he has the, a good relationship with his players, which, Hey, this week, maybe we're hearing that it's not as great as we want it to be, but if they work that out, if they figure it out and they are on the same page, they know what happened. They know what's happening inside of closed doors. Fine. Like that's fine. I don't care if he feeds bullshit at the podium or says the right thing or says, I don't give a shit. Have a good relationship with your players, have everyone on the same page, and win football games. Now, granted, they're losing the big football games, and that's why we're at this point. But, like, I don't need Sean McDermott to come out and say, this is my fault. I did this, this, and this. I did that. Like, I don't care. That's just feeding to stupid Twitter people 
and unnecessary shit to the fans who at the end of the day, really, who cares what the fans say, like Earth think you run your football team and do what you have to do. Bill's fans aren't going anywhere. You're going to have the trolls no matter what happens. Like get your football team right to win games and get over this hump, figure it the hell out. So I just, there's another point I was going to make, but I forget. I just, I, I just, I don't, I don't care if Sean McDermott comes out after 13 seconds to say, yep, that's my bad. That doesn't change anything, right? Like moving forward. That's what is important. Is this Sean on the same page with his players? Is everyone happy? Is everyone in the best position to win their games and do their job? And yes, I get the criticism now is they haven't been in the big games. Let's see if they learn. Ken Dorsey's got another, has a year under his belt. Sean's going to start calling the defense. Like, we don't know how this is going to work. It's the middle of June. We don't know how this is going to look. Um, so until we see that, if if by week five we come, we're coming back from London and zero and five, and it's ridiculous, like terrible. No one's on the same page. No one's catching anything. Defense can't stop anything. They're you know playing way back, prevent defense on every play. Then sure, right? I'll eat my words. But I just I don't think any of that matters. It's just all theatrics to appease people who live on Twitter. Yeah, I, I agree. So we'll, we'll see what happens when we go to training camp. It seems like everyone's kind of figured their crap out. I know what I was going to say. The one thing that this does do, and the one thing that Sean has been able to do is get this team meant like get their mentals, get their motivation. He's very good at helping them find that motivation. And I think mentally be there. And this is at this is the good part of this. This is adding fuel to their fire. They're not favorites. They're underdogs. Everyone is turning on them. I don't even think um, Kyle Brandt has said one good thing about the team in a while, right? Like that could be false, but roll with it. I just I think that they are going to use this. This team has been built to use outside motivators and prove people wrong. So I think this is a best case scenario that they are going to figure this out. They're going to prove people wrong. And they're angry. Like this team right now feels angry. Like think about everything you've heard this, this week. Think about the, the, the mood of players at the mode podium. They're confused. They're angry. They don't understand the hate that they're getting. I think they're going to ride that into the regular season. And I think we're going to see them just destroy teams. Right. I think, I think we're going to get a flavor of the 2020 bills. Remember that 2020 season when you couldn't go and see them, in person is the COVID years, but they just destroyed. They beat up on teams. They were fun to watch. They were exciting. You never knew what was happening. I've got a feeling like that's what this team is going to pull out this year. We'll see. I, I really hope you are right. Me Cause, too. Cause I look and, like an idiot. Well, until then we can get a little bit of a break from bills and we can focus on the Buffalo Sabres because the draft is coming up. They have a you know a high first round pick and they have a couple second round picks that are relatively high with the Risto line in trade still. Um not too much going on there um right now, but I do want to just dive into a couple reports that came out uh this week. Number one being that Lance Lazowski from the Buffalo News basically reported that Victor Olipson and his camp um are fully expecting um a trade to happen. I mean, it seems like there's already been a handful of teams that have reached out. Um, it seems like Vegas, 
Um, the Islanders, the Rangers are a few teams that are interested. Vegas makes sense just because maybe they can reignite something that he had when, you know, he was here with Jack. They had a little bit of chemistry. Islanders, they just need more scoring in general, despite, you know, what you think of Victor Olsen as a defender and an all-around player. The dude can score goals, and I just think his time's run its course here. Um, so we'll see what happens there. Um, it seems like there is interest. Um, I'm under the impression if they can get anything of a second round pick, even if it means retaining a million or two of salary, they should take that and run. Um, the other report that came out yesterday, which is the big one, um, with you know free agency and everything coming up, a lot of players are going to be on the move trade wise. Um, so Brett Pesci of the Carolina Hurricanes defenseman has one year left on his deal um, at about 4.5 or $5 million. They, uh, Pierre Lebrun yesterday on NHL network had said that if they are unable to come to an extension, which they might not be able to do because they have a lot of guys they got to pay. They have some pretty hefty contracts there. Um, it says the among the teams I've been told that have reached out already on Brett Pesci, are the Buffalo Sabres who have made a priority of going out and getting a top four D and they have significant interest in Pesci. Um, I think that would be a win of the off season. If they were able to require a player of his caliber to pair with Owen power, been in the league eight years, plays both ways, very good defensively, but also has the ability to get some offensive points. He had 30 points last year. Um, for the Hurricanes has been really, you know, prime for them when they've been trying to make deep playoff runs the last few years specifically. Um, so if they're able to get him um, and pair him with Owen Power. They have so much flexibility with draft picks and, you know, the amount of prospects that they have. Um, they're going to be able to make some noise. I know I saw earlier today Patrick Kane's been mentioned. I really don't see where he would fit in. Um, maybe if you're slotting him on a third line with middle stat to give him a more accelerated winger but now he's having the injury uh surgery so um we'll see what happens there but it just once again excites you about the saber season going forward you saw the amazing rochester run um it makes you think that you're gonna have a similar paterka quinn type thing with savoy and coolidge more than likely going to be up here next year um and really they're just trying to solidify um the back end one other thing I don't know um, a lot of people uh, have kept tabs on is that Frederick Anderson, the goaltender for Carolina, who's been really good for them the last few years, him and Antti Ranta have kind of been splitting reps and whatnot. Uh, seems like they're leaning more towards Ranta. Maybe they could bring back both. They're kind of negotiating with both right now. His sister actually just signed with the Buffalo Buttes of the WHL granted that could mean absolutely nothing, but Buffalo is a team that's probably going to need a veteran goaltender to come in, giving Frederick Anderson a couple years for how good he's been. I know there's some injury history there, but that's also why you have a either Uka Pekalukinen or Eric Comrie if needed to go in there. Um, but that's just a little, a little nugget um, to keep your eye on. Then maybe Frederick Anderson could be a guy um, that they maybe keep an eye on. And another thing with Brett Pesci, because you know how much Kevin Adams likes to bring guys kind of home. Uh, Pesci is from New York. He's from Terrytown, ironically. Terry Pagula, Terrytown. Um, but we'll see what happens there. I think it would be an intriguing fit um, between them, the Flyers, 
Um, Calgary is another team that's kind of trying to figure out what they're doing. They have a couple good defensemen and Noah Hannafin and Chris Tanev is another guy that I would love to bring in. Um, he's really the peak of the stay at home defenseman. Um, so a lot going on there too, but, um, thoughts on Olofsson basically bracing for departing. And do you, uh, do you hate that at all? <laughs> um, no, I don't hate it. I think we talked about this in our Sabres recap. Like he's one player that I'm okay getting rid of if the price is right, right? Like if you get a good return, it can help your team move forward. I'm okay with it, right? Like he was not outstanding. He wasn't terrible. I think there's enough value there. He was good enough this season to warrant a a nice little return and a nice, um, nice little prize that you get from him. Um, and you see what you can get. You shop the phones. You see, you know, who's willing to give what up. I, I think, I think you find a, a veteran player, um, right? Like, like that's been rumored. I think, I think that's a perfect fit. It, the veteran player, like you said, he plays both ways. He's got eight years in the league. Um, can come in, make a difference for these young guys, be kind of that older voice to help guide this young squad through the trials and tribulations of a long NHL season of the ups and downs of an NHL season um, and kind of help fill in that older part of the roster and kind of be an anchor. I think that's exactly what the squad needs and, and to swap Olofsson for that type of player is a huge one. Like you said, Nick. So yeah, I, I agree. I'm, um, I'd be all for doing that. I don't want to just swap him for draft picks. I, I don't, I think that would be a, a loss if, if it's a second a third like i don't i think that's a i think that's a huge miss i think i think there's enough value in olafson in olafson to get a player right maybe you got to do a little bit more packaging and wheeling and dealing to make it happen but um if you just do a playoff uh, just do a, a a pick i think that's a miss unless you use that pick to get a, a guy somewhere else but i just if it only ends in a pick, I think that's a miss. I think this team needs more than draft picks at this point. Yeah, I mean, it seems like it also has been reported Kevin Adams has been calling a ton of people looking up and yeah. down to move up in the draft, move down on the draft. Maybe that's something that happens on draft night. Um, and, you know, Olofsson, it seems like if they were to move him and they were to get a player back, I feel like you have to be looking at the defense core because when you look at the four core, it's a very – it's pretty much already all set up. You have your top line. You have Paterka, Quinn, and Cousins. You have Jordan Greenway, who you traded. You brought back Kyle Laposo as your veteran. You know that you're going to have Middlestat and Peyton Krebs. So really, if you move Olofsson, there's only two spots, and it kind of seems like that's going to be Yuri Kulich and Matt Savoy. You know, I think I could very much see um, them trying to go and bring back Tyson Jost as that kind of Vinny Henestroza type guy where you know he's gonna plug and play certain nights with injuries he's gonna be scratched some but you know it seemed like he liked it here a lot um and who knows maybe kevin adams saw the playoffs saw how physical they were they know they got to get a little more physical on the front side who knows maybe they go and throw two million dollars at ryan reeves for one year and yeah maybe he only plays 20 games the whole season but to have a guy like that type on the forward or defense pair that you can throw in a game at certain points. If you start seeing Tage or cousins or whoever kind of get roughed up a little, not that they won't stick up for themselves, but 
you know, don't even let those guys worry about it because those are the guys that have been fighting when you don't need them to go put Ryan Reeves in for one game against Boston. And if, you know, Clifton or whoever, Frederick touches one of those guys, Ryan Reeves is jumping over the board saying that's not happening in this game. It's going to be a very interesting offseason for this team. But um, just like you said with the Bills uh, for, you know, Super Bowl bus, it definitely feels like we're gearing more towards a playoff or bus type year for the Sabres next year. You never want to rush things. I'm not saying that if they miss out by the playoffs again, like they did this year by one point, pending how they play, I'd be, you know, screaming mad and asking for Adams and Granado to be fired. But um, I think the players know the expectation next year is it's it's playoffs or bust for them, at least mindset wise. Yeah, absolutely. Totally agree. Well, that's going to uh, do it for today's show. We appreciate uh, everyone for tuning in each and every week. We'll be back um, in the coming weeks as far as when the NHL draft comes up. Free agency will be coming up. We'll see what happens if anything else happens with the Bills. Um, In the meantime, calm down, everybody. Holy shit. Jesus. Let the conspiracy theories go. Stop getting so deep into Twitter. Go for a a walk and do some grocery shopping and stay off Twitter for two hours. Maybe that's a reminder to myself, but I'm sure someone else (laughs) out there needs to hear it. It's okay. It's currently, as we speak, as we're recording, it's June fucking 16th. There's time to freak out later. Goodness sake. Freak out later. Instead, give our podcast a listen and give us a like and follow us on our socials. Link trees in the Apple and Spotify description. This has been the Buffalo Oil Podcast, Buffalo's favorite sports channel. These guys are good. Scary good. What a connection. Allen and Diggs. No one circles the wagon like the Buffalo Bills. <laughs>